Welcome to a brand new edition of Yuans. I'm Omar Moore. Watford lose again at the Vic. Nine consecutive home defeats now for Watford, with seven games left to play. Leeds were the latest to walk away from the Vic with three points, and I'll be talking about that in this episode, plus the trouble with Watford FC. All of that is coming up on this brand new edition of Yuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuuu
knew that no matter what the result was going to be at Goodison Park between Everton and Manchester United, and we know that Everton did their job. For all the things that we have said about Frank Lampard, especially yours truly, and a number of other Watford fans that I uh, hear from constantly about Frank Lampard, or not constantly, but from time to time, especially when Everton have the world's worst fixture list between now and the end of the year. The world's worst running between now and the end of Mar- of May. Excuse me. Ah, oh, it didn't matter today though, did it? Because Everton got their win. They got their win. Watford, knowing all of that, went into the game at the Vic against Leeds. A team that they have never beaten at Vicarage Road, by the way, in their other previous Premier League games. Well, you can make that I think it's three or four Premier League games now that they've not beaten Leeds at the Vic. And in fact, in big games against Leeds at the Vic, Watford tend to lose. You can look back at the game a few years ago when Watford were trying to make it into the playoffs. Where they could have actually, I think, gone up automatically or they could have gone up um, automatically, perhaps, I think, at that point a few years back. That was the whole Jack Bonham disaster. Do you remember that? I'm sure there are Watford fans who do remember what I'm talking about when the goalkeeper and one of the Watford players clashed with each other and there was a a Leeds player who uh, made that happen. You know the situation I'm talking about. Jack Bonham had to come into the game. Jonathan Bond was the goalkeeper that had the collision, the nasty collision. He had to be taken off and subbed off and it was Jack Bonham who came in and... It was a complete howler from him. A ball chipped him and he was just left stranded. And the ball went over him and into the back of the net. And that was Watford's chance at automatic promotion gone. I think that might have been in 2013. And that led them, did Watford, I think, to go all the way to the playoff final against Crystal Palace. And we all know what happened on that day at Wembley. So typically, overall, it is never a good situation for Watford at the Vic against Leeds. It's almost always like that. There have been exceptions, but recently, in recent history, Watford have not beaten this Leeds team. But the result was at stake today because Watford knew that had they won this game today, they would have put themselves in a very good position to consolidate their chance of staying in the league because they have to win five home games. And even if they don't win One of these five home games, they must get the away win at Crystal Palace. But when you have Leeds in front of you, a fellow relegation struggler, you must beat them. That's why this particular home game was so important. Because the one against Leicester is not against a team that is in relegation trouble. Leicester, as of this moment, are in the top 10 in the Premier League. They are on 37 points at the time I'm recording this. So they are not in danger of going down. So winning that game would help Watford, but it is not going to do anything to Leicester specifically. So what Watford had to do in their game against Leeds was to win it, and they didn't. Watford came out tentative. They had a moment at the beginning where they were moving the ball well, good tempo, but they did not have any foundation to that tempo. And as a result, it all frittered away sporadically into Bits and bobs and pieces. No shots on target. 
it was one of those days at the office of the Vic. And it's been a scene that Watford fans have seen far too often this season at the Vic. No ability to win at home. Leeds themselves were no great shakes in the first half of the game. They did not cultivate a thing. Their defense was all over the map, all over the shop. The head coach, Jesse Marsh, was shouting at his team for much of the first half because they were horrible defensively. Horrible. They put in a replacement in the back line, and you could tell that there was a lot of miscommunication, and they had not obviously done a lot of work together because this new person that was inserted in his name was either Cook or Cooper or whomever it was. He was making all kinds of mistakes in the back. And Watford still did not have the stomach, the muscle, the nous, the confidence to break down a lead side that was absolutely begging you to do so. As a result, Watford continued to misfire. Leeds continued to hold firm despite their rickety defense. And in the 21st minute, Rafinha benefited from a cruel mistake from Samir. The first rule of defending. And he did this in almost the same exact area of the pitch that Tom Cleverley did this in a few weeks ago at the Vic against Arsenal. The first rule of defending is that when you have a loose ball in front of you, in your own box, in your own third of the pitch... You have to kick it into touch or boot it upfield. And make sure that if you do boot it upfield, it goes all the way down the other end of the pitch. Or if you boot it downfield, it goes out of play into touch so that it can be a throw in and you reset your defense. Samir, who is someone who has been outstanding this season, for some reason lollygagged on the ball and nonchalantly flicked it as if he was flicking a dart at a dartboard. The ball came straight to Rafinha, who dribbled a couple of times and cut inside and just smashed the ball home past a hapless Ben Foster who didn't know what had hit him. 1-0 Leeds, and that was the only goal Leeds would need. Watford struggled to get back into the game in the first half. Leeds were content to ride things out. There was a free kick that Watford had that just whistled past the post of Elon Melier, but that was as far and as much as Elon Melier was troubled the entire game. Watford came out of the break down 1-0, no substitutions made. No substitutions made at halftime. Subs were made soon, soon, I guess, I guess it was around 50, 60 minutes in, subs were finally made. Goodness gracious me, I do not know what Roy Hodgson was thinking about but he obviously took a much longer time to think about it than he should because, lo and behold, it took a long time before Roy would decide to make subs in this game. There wasn't a forced substitution because Cucho Hernandez in the 39th minute had to be subbed off. He had suffered a hamstring injury, which was termed as a tight hamstring. He has tweeted that he will be back soon and he will work and recover. And I expect he'll probably be back maybe in two weeks, maybe when they go to Manchester City and get themselves a heavy defeat, probably? I mean, if Leeds came in and tonked them 3-0, how much do you think City's going to tonk them by? So, Cucho Hernandez, a very speedy recovery to you, sir. Hopefully you will rest up and recover and get back on the pitch in the next couple of weeks or so. 
But then Dennis came into the game in the 39th minute because that was the enforced change. And nothing really changed for Watford. There were a couple of runs down the sides, but nothing troubling this Leeds defence. They did not get close enough to Leeds when Leeds were making runs themselves. And they were only too content to do what they've done a lot this season at the Vic, which is to let opposition just run around in the box. No closing down, no one getting tight to these wingers, nobody stopping the cross from coming in, nobody trying to put a, a foot in to block the cross from coming in, and people just standing around, not really knowing or even caring what to do next. Everything was too loosey-goosey and nonchalant in this game, and that came back to haunt Watford in the second half in particular, because as unluck would have it, it was just about what the 73rd minute of the game as Watford came so close to getting an equaliser just 13 minutes later. So 13 minutes earlier, pardon me, in the 60th minute when Ismail Assar had the goal at his mercy and decided to blast it to the moon. Shoot the ball to the moon, Ismail. And that's exactly what he did with the goal gaping in front of him. A chance, a golden chance for the golden boys to equalise. And they didn't. They didn't. And then that was essentially the end of Watford, despite some forays later on. It really was something that Leeds were content to just sit back and clear, which is what they did. Elon Melier was not troubled the entire game. Rodrigo getting a critical second goal in the 73rd minute, 13 minutes after Ismail Assar should have equalized. Rodrigo coming in, being the beneficiary of another defensive mistake. And that was courtesy of... Hassan Kamara, who kicked the ball in front of the running, advancing Rodrigo. And instead of kicking the ball into touch, he tried to kick it and pass it in front of Rodrigo over to Samir, which I just don't understand why you'd kick a ball with yourself running towards your own goal with a Leeds attacker running with you. Why would you try to pass the ball across that player to your fellow defender when the easier thing to do would be to blast the ball into row Z in that Leeds encampment in the away end there on the Vicarage Road end? I just don't understand why that mistake was made. It means to me and it says to me that these players are not good enough and they've not been good enough. There have been flashes in the pan here and there, but the end product and the end result of all of this is that these players aren't good enough. And I'll get to why I think that is in a little while. But that was the game done and dusted when Rodrigo scored that goal in the 73rd minute. Watford heads dropped. And that was that. They wanted to get off that pitch. And the fans wanted to get out of the Vic. And many of them did. Watford fans had enough. And they really had enough in the 85th minute when Jack Harrison really punished, really for the first time in the whole game, Leeds absolutely punished Watford with a thumping drive low by Jack Harrison into the low side and the bottom left-hand corner of the net past, really the bottom right-hand corner, past Ben Foster. No chance at all. And that was the goal really that stamped everything as well. And that was the only goal of the three that Leeds really merited and deserved. They absolutely spanked Watford today without having to do a thing because two of those goals were self-inflicted by Watford 
And how many times have we seen it this season at the Vic, especially when Watford have inflicted insult and injury and salt into the wounds themselves and ended up gifting goals that they shouldn't be gifting away in these games. The final score game was Watford nil leads three. And with that, the end, as far as I'm concerned, of Watford's run in the Premier League. It's all but over now in the Premier League for Watford. As I said, I am one of the most optimistic Watford fans you will ever find anywhere. I was the one who many months ago, June of last year, was pronouncing, even before they did a jot of business during the summer, that Watford were going to probably finish, I had them finishing at 11th place. Clearly, that's not going to happen now, as I've said a bit during this last couple of days. And certainly, the only place that Watford are going to finish is in the bottom three. There's no question about that now. I'm going to still back these lads. There's no question about that either. But I'm going to back them knowing that most of them will not even be here next season. There will be maybe three or four who will, but the rest will be gone. And as far as I'm concerned, good riddance. Jason Burt, the chief football correspondent, along with John Percy and Telegraph today, saying Claudio Ranieri at Watford is to be sacked once they identify a successor, uh, which could be this week. Considering how often they fire managers, you're quite surprised they haven't actually identified their successor yet, Robbie. Would that be fair? Yes, I mean, it could be one of uh, probably 100 coaches from 20 different... Co- <laughs> Including the last five they've had themselves, yeah. sometimes they do Ali bring Brassio them back. did the best job, I think, over recent seasons. I don't know what he's doing right now, whether he could come back into it. Um, this hasn't worked, though, has it? Pedro Nieri hasn't worked. I know he knows the Pozzo family. Uh, I think they wanted him to coach one of their teams a, a while ago. It hasn't worked. Yes, I know they had a tough start with this, the schedule, um, but there's been not enough reaction, Rebecca. I think Tim said the other day, there's enough attacking players in this team to be all right. Um, who they go for next, I don't know. You know, I was driving back to, from home the other day and uh, listened to the radio and somebody chucked in a Roy Hodgson. Wow. I, thought was, I, thought, I thought it wasn't an awful shout with his defensive organisation. I'm not saying it's going to be him. I guess he's retired now, but uh, somebody that can organise defensively because in Dennis and, and Ismail Asala coming back soon and Josh King... They have got some players that can create and score. It's just defensively they've been a disaster. So the season started with Cisco Munoz, then they brought in Claudio Ranieri. Now they're looking for their third permanent manager, and this happens a lot. Is this any way to run a football club? It's uh, No, I roll my eyes out all the time. It's, it's a terrible way to run a football club. Three managers in the season. <sighs> yes, I think the good thing is you know, Roy Hodgson, Rafa Benitez. There, there's, some, there's some good managerial names out there that are you know, looking for jobs and, and, and would take a job on a short-term basis. Um, but just at this point, if you have anything about you as a manager, why would you even want to go there and get involved in that? You, you know, will you get backed with the with the money you're getting? You know, you could get fired after seven games. It's it's a bit of a joke to be honest. Roy Hodgson doesn't need that in his no, life. Couldn't. He's a chilly he loves out. Football. He needs football. Loves oh. football. Experienced at, at doing it. All right, you heard it here first. I'm not <laughs> sure about that. Yeah, Roy Hodgson needs this in his life, and that's what he's doing. He came to Watford, and that was that audio you just heard was from January the 23rd, 2022, on Peacock Television here in the United States. Rebecca Lowe there, Robbie Musto, and Tim Howard, who used to play for both Manchester United and Everton, and uh, also I should say that Robbie Musto once played for Middlesbrough, 
all of them there talking back in January of this year about Watford at the time. It was the sacking of Claudio Ranieri, which was rumored after the 3-0 home loss to Norwich. That was back then, just over two months ago. Here we are now, a 3-0 loss at home to Leeds. I guess the more things change, the more they stay the same. The reason I led this second part of Yawns with this particular audio is because I want to talk now about Watford Football Club more exclusively and specifically. Because as you heard in that two-minute clip, Watford Football Club has become a running joke across all these pundit shows. If it's not Gary Lineker on Twitter taking the you-know-what, it is pundits here in the United States making much folly about Watford Football Club. How do you like, fellow Watford fans, to see your club being laughed at, joked about, thrown through the mud? How do you like the chuckles and the titters and the snickering and all the rest of it about your football club? It's happening everywhere. The first mention of Watford usually, usually draws derisive laughter. Now, recently here in San Francisco, California, there were some people who wished Watford, when I was wearing their shirt the other day, all the very best of luck. And one of them said that they hope that Watford stay in the Premier League. That was a few days ago. After the game against Leeds, there's almost no chance of that. Do they have a chance? Well, they have a chance. But there is no way in America or anywhere else on the planet that Watford are going to pick up five wins in these remaining seven games. It's just not going to happen. And again, I am someone who had insisted all along that this team would finish 11th. I insisted all along that they would stay in this division. But after what I saw against Leeds, there's no way it's happening. There is absolutely no way that Watford Football Club are staying in the Premier League. And the thing is, is that throughout this season, you have the pundits like those you just heard here in the United States. You have the pundits like those you hear in the United Kingdom. You have people like Gary Lineker on Twitter and all the rest of them making jokes about this club. When Graham Taylor and Elton John ran this club, nobody was joking about Watford Football Club. Nobody was joking about it. Now, in 2021 and in 2022, Watford FC are the butt of nearly every derisive joke. And quite frankly, a lot of that is down to the ownership and the board, whose folly in hiring managers and firing managers has now finally, finally, with the vast majority, if I may be so bold to say, of the Watford FC fan base run thin and finally run its course. That is exactly what has happened here now. 
Heck, you may as well have just let Cisco manage the whole season out. Or you could have let Roy manage from October onwards instead of from January 24th onwards or 25th onwards. Would Watford be getting out of this mess? Well, who knows? Maybe that wouldn't have made a difference anyway because this team isn't good enough. The players are not good enough. And what this board has done with all its folly, all its excuses, all of its, well, we've, we'll make sure we've learned something. We've learned our lessons. All they've done is take the fans for a ride. Now, one of the things that the board did do well was a smart move to keep Watford fans on side by lowering season ticket prices for next season. That is something I applaud the board for. That is something I applaud the people in charge of that for. I think it's a very good thing that they're doing that. I am not ever going to fail to praise the board or anyone else at Watford Football Club when they get things right. But you cannot sit here and not expect to hear from fans who are voicing their views about this football club and how it's run and the people running it who quite frankly are running aspects of this club into the ground. That's how our Watford Football Club is looked at now, as a joke. And while there are lots of moves to develop some players in the academy level, when it comes to the first team, Very, very few of those players are breaking in. And if they are, it's sporadic. Shaq Ford was one of the latest. But we could have used Shaq Ford in the game against Leeds, couldn't we? Could have used him. Why wasn't Carlou playing? And these are decisions that are being made by the owner, by the board and by the manager. Watford Football Club is now at one of its lows. I know about the Bassinis. Listen, I've been supporting this club for decades, as have many fellow Watford fans. Some may be more new to Watford. Some may have been born much more further down the line. But all of us can see that this club isn't what it used to be. Certainly those of us who are a little older, like myself, who remember the days of this club under Graham Taylor, who remember the days, quite frankly, before Graham Taylor. Some of us are still around here. We've been around the block with Watford Football Club. We are no strangers to it. But what is happening now with this ownership is not good. It's not healthy. It's not good. We can run down all the situations, which I won't do. I'll only stick to two of them because I can go ad infinitum about all of these things. I've talked about them before. Whether it's internships, fully fully paid, you know, full-time interns not being paid, all the rest of that. I'm going to stick to two things. One, the lack of player development and poor recruiting that is coming through and absolutely tanking Watford's chances 
of staying in the Premier League. I think the recruiting is one of the biggest reasons why this team is going to go down. The failure to recruit is one of the biggest reasons over and over and over and over and over again with this club. Why it's going to head right back to the championship at the end of this season. No care is taken to ensure that you are building up through the ranks and making players a solid fortification of the future and present at Watford. All these loanees that you waste time signing and you hardly ever play them. Ignacio Pesetta, who is now what, in Spain or Italy or something? When did he ever play for Watford again after the Premier League season of a couple of years ago? When did he ever play again for Watford? He's still on Watford's books or he's still certainly in their loan scheme with somebody. I don't think that loan's been made permanent. If it has been, well, what was the point of signing Ignacio Pesetto in the first place? When he only played, what, four or five games for you? Barely? Didn't start any of those games to the best of my knowledge. What was the point of bringing him up? What was the point of signing Carlu when he's not played but one half of football and a few minutes in a game against Arsenal that was already over and he played for precisely a minute and a half or so? Maybe three minutes max. What was the point of bringing him in here this January? But this is the failure of proper planning and recruitment, stitching together a patchwork quilt with thread that doesn't properly fit and seem well. You can't bring in defenders at the 11th hour and expect everything to work. You can't expect that to happen. And it's just not good enough. You've got players now at this club as a result of the way the board has done things that are disconnected from the club, don't care about the club, don't care about the fans. There are some players who do. I have talked about them. Camera is one of them. I think Jao Pedro is another of them. Sizoko is another of them. Ben Foster is another of them. Tom Cleverley, who doesn't play anymore, is another of them. There's maybe about half a dozen of those players who do actually care about the fans. The rest, they couldn't care less about the fans. The rest, they couldn't care less about the shirt or the club. The only thing they care about are their wages. And that really is the hallmark of the failure that has pervaded through this club now in general terms of the last really five years, if not longer. Because even when Watford had better teams than the one they have now, they still got relegated. Yes, the club was promoted last time around from the championship at the first time of asking. But that is not easy to do. And I think people at the club, some of them got a little bit full of themselves. And a little bit too happy with everything. And rested too much on their laurels. And in my view, just thought that they could do this on the fly. We had already seen the problems with recruiting at this club. Filippo Giraldi, who should have gone a long time ago before he finally went. He obviously was a good friend of Gino. 
But then you bring in the current recruiter, technical director, I should say, Christian, uh, Cristiano Giretta or Christian Giretta. And what has really changed? What has changed? What is the base and the nucleus that you are going to be building from? So that when we are in the championship next season, there is a credible, identifiable nucleus that you as a board are building on and building from. There is a foundation that people, specifically the Watford fan base, can look at and say, okay, I see what they're trying to do here. But for too long, there has not been an adhesive plan to build and recruit the way that Watford should. I'm not even going to look at other clubs and compare because I know that other clubs do a better job and some don't. I am sticking strictly to Watford Football Club and the inability to cultivate a cohesive mentality with the players that you're bringing in because you're bringing in this one, you're bringing in that one, you're bringing in this group and they're all buddy-buddy. But there's no connection to the club because there's no one in that club structure that is wedding them in and betting them in to what the values of the club are. And quite frankly, you can emblazon all the values you want on the wall of a training gym. You can emblazon all the values of Watford you want on the walls of any kind of workout facility at London Colney. But if you are not also practicing what you preach, you are failing the legacy of Graham Taylor and Elton John. You are failing the legacy of the living legend, Luther Blissett. You are failing the good-hearted people who make this club run so well and who do excellent things even now. The community trust is excellent. We know how good they are people at this club. There are a number of people at this club who are good people who are doing the right thing. But then there are a few here and there who are not doing the right thing and not doing the right thing by the club, for the club, and certainly not for the fans. All of this has to change. And when I come back, I'm going to talk about the second thing that Watford Football Club is doing disastrously wrong. Welcome back to Yuans. I'm Omar Moore. Watford lose to Leeds, their ninth consecutive loss at the Vic. And what is going wrong at Watford and how to fix it? Well, in this final section of this episode, I'm going to talk about the second thing that is really wrong at Watford FC. There's a number of them. And this one is the way that fans are being communicated to. That has been a problem now for a number of years, and especially so in the last two or three years, given the situation that Watford are in. It seems more and more these days that the board and those who run the reins of communication are just not doing 
the kinds of things that people in their position should be doing to communicate and keep all Watford Football Club fans apprised of the goings-on at the football club. I have, ever since beginning and launching Yawns as a podcast and as a YouTube channel, have heard forever from a number of fellow Watford fans who have told me that they are completely disillusioned and disconnected from the football club. And those same fans and many other Watford fans go on social media and tweet their messages of discontent and disconnection from the club. These are people who've supported the club for 20, 30, 40 years. People who've supported the club for 50 years. More than 50 years, maybe 60 years. And they are telling me and telling the world on social media that they have never been more disconnected from Watford Football Club than they are now. That is a severe problem. I've said this before, I've said this many weeks ago, that when fans are telling you that they are disaffected and disconnected and disillusioned from this club, you have to do something to fix that pronto. No communication, very little of it, outside of some program notes here and there. That's been it. While the Vicarage Roadhouse be crumbling and quickly, While we have players who don't give a damn. While we have results that continue to show defeat after defeat after defeat at the Vic. It's an automatic defeat now when you go to Vicarage Road for Watford. Under Graham Taylor and Alton John, that would never be the case. I know that was that day and this is this day. But... You are the home side. Even as recently as last season in the championship, Watford have lost just two or three games at home the entire way. They have lost at least 10 home games this season. At least 10. And they've got four more home games left. Where is the communication to the fans. One of the things that has sent fans, a lot of Watford fans, over the edge with their anger, with their frustration, with their sadness and their lament, and with their complete disconnection with this football club, is the news that went down on the 8th of April of 2022. When the news was handed to us, that a supporter committee had been formed. Now, it would have been nice if instead those who did this had consulted the fan base at large and said, what course of action should we take to start opening up dialogue and give all the fans at Watford Football Club, just like you give us all the opportunity to vote on goal of the month and player of the month, an opportunity to vote Openly, anonymously if you wish, and select a group of choices as to which choice would be the preferred method of action in terms of opening up dialogue. Would it be through a fan form? Would it be through some other means? Would it be through having some kind of group? That's what this club should have done. 
but they didn't. They made a decision to go with a particular group of people that they had picked. And I I don't know what the process was because I wasn't there. But the fact is they've gone to a specific group of fan bases and podcasts and all the rest. Listen, I hope that everything goes well with it. I myself, full disclosure, have already made it very clear to the club that I would like to be involved in this supporters committee. So I will let you know that right now. And I think those of you who listen to this podcast regularly know this. I am very transparent about all these things. I certainly don't speak from two sides of my mouth. I speak directly and honestly and truthfully about something. And people at the club know that about yours truly. And look, this isn't about me. This is about having to stand up and speak up when you know that what is happening to your football club is not right. But in the process of doing this supporters group, which had a meeting according to a press release that Watford issued on the 8th of April, 2022, on Thursday, March the 31st, where they had Scott Duxbury, the chairman and CEO, the finance director there, Emiliano Russo, head of communications and media relations, Richard Walker, and the support of the liaison officer, Meg Clark. So she's very, she's fairly new. She came in near the beginning of the season this season, back in August or September. And we're told that it was a very frank two-hour discussion. What questions were asked? We're not privy to that. We're not privy to it. And we're told that there's a memorandum of understanding that talks about secrecy. Why was this a secret? Why was this something that's a secret thing? Why? I just don't understand it. Confidential dialogue. What I don't understand it. It looks like, and by the way, I, I have screenshotted the original release and it looks as if they've altered this release. Because the word secrecy was actually used in the original release. Unless I am missing it here as I'm looking at it again. Why does there have to be secrecy about this? And why didn't you go to the whole fan base? What this does is problematic. It highlights the very issue that many of us as Watford Football Club fans have absolutely been identifying as one of the problems. A problem, which is the lack of communication. And when you start talking about secrecy and confidentiality, you are in fact reinforcing the very problem that Watford fans have told you must end. That's what you're doing. And as some Watford fans have pointed out here, Having a select group picked, hand-picked already for this process and then inviting everyone else to be hand-picked in and join the secrecy club is a way that divides fans, whether or not the board or anyone else who's behind this, the communications folks or whomever intends to do this or not. That is the effect. The very reaction from many Watford FC fans tells you that this was not a good idea. The way that it was done was not the best way to do it. 
I wish all of those individuals in that group the very best. This is not about any of them. I believe that they're doing it for the right reasons. I certainly hope so. I believe they are. And as I said, I'd like to be on this group. I made it very clear. And the chances are they're probably not going to put me on the group. Chances are it's not going to happen. Because I'm somebody who will definitely tell you. With respect, I'll do it respectfully. But I will lead. I will make it unmistakably clear. Not only what's right, but also what's wrong. And also the solutions and the ideas, which I have many of. To deal with the way that fans are being non-communicated to. There has got to be better communication. And it can't be done by having secret meetings and confidential meetings. That is not how you communicate to the Watford fan base at large. You do not set up a potential, what some people might see as a buffer group. Between the club and the fans. Between the board and the fans. You don't do what Watford have done here. And I'm telling you, the amount of messages I get on Twitter, the amount of people telling me on you, Orns, WFC, how this is not the best idea, it is poor. You can go on social media and just read all of the reaction to this. It has been overwhelmingly negative. Because this should have been done a lot better. Here's what my solution would be about all this is for all Watford fans, including these very groups, including any other group that wasn't initially included in this group of people who met last month at the end of March, is for all these groups to get together in a unified way as a separate supporters club in general and stand united together to approach this board in open meetings on behalf of everybody, including all Watford fans, and saying, hey, look, this is what we are saying to you. Now, here's our ideas. Let's talk. And let's talk in an open public forum. Not in secret, not with any memorandum of understanding, not with any secrecy, not with any MI5 or CIA scenarios, but an open public forum, not only for those in Hertfordshire and the three counties at large, but for everyone. Put it online, put it on the radio, do both. Simulcast it, I don't care. But this has to be open to everybody who is of a Watford persuasion. I can understand sometimes there's sensitive financial matters perhaps that you don't want to discuss. Well, you don't discuss them then. But as far as fan communication goes, this was a major egg laid by Watford and the hierarchy there. Now, like I said, I doubt that I'll be a member of this committee. Because if you're going to be a member of this committee, you've got to be quiet when you're told to be quiet. And I'm sorry, I'm not the kind of person who's good at that. Now, I am diplomatic. I am someone who actually is 
Some people might not believe that, but I am. And I know when to hold them and when to fold them. But there is no way that you can be silenced or pushed into secrecy when this club is crumbling before your very eyes. Now, the people who are part of this committee have made the choice that they've made. And maybe, again, they are probably well-meaning and they're probably, I, would, I believe that they are doing it for the right reasons. I certainly hope so. But watch out for the okey-doke. Do not get fooled. Because I think, and what many other fans at this club think, is that what is being done by this board is very pernicious. And they need voices in the room like mine and yours. It is very good that the board and the club did invite the Watford community at large, at Watford FC, fans, supporters, everyone, to apply and get in on this supporters group. I think that's a good thing. But as I believe I said earlier on this podcast episode, you do not invite people to secrecy. It's very good that you invite the wider range of fans, but you should have done that at the beginning. And you should have put it to the wider range of fans at the beginning before selecting a group. Because that is what I think has rubbed a lot of Watford fans the wrong way. Because you know what people are saying? Why didn't I get included? Why didn't I get invited? What happened to me? Hey, look, that's what I see all over Twitter. It's not good enough. All of this is not being done well. And as I said, I think one of the solutions here is for fans at large, including all these groups, to meet together openly and then push forth an agenda to the board in open session somewhere that is covered and and, and broadcast or put online, streamed, put on the radio, So that everybody at the club, the Watford Football Club fans, are able to see what's going on with transparency and openness. This move of this group put together by Watford Football Club has only further alienated a lot of Watford Football Club fans in the fan base. And it's not a good look for this club. Graham Taylor and Elton John never would have done something like this and talked about secrecy and silence and memorandum of understandings and all the rest. That is not what this club is about. Certainly not the values of this club. And as some some Watford fans have cited, what you're seeing now is a trampling of the kinds of values that Watford Football Club stands for. I'm going to read you a couple of tweets that have come in to me as responses. One of them from, and I don't normally read out names, but I'm going to read out a couple of these names. Doogie Brimson, or Dougie Brimson, who many Watford fans are familiar with. Long-time Watford Football Club supporter. Long-time. 
Here's a tweet that he sent to me. Was saying much the same thing today. They're trading on GT's legacy whilst seemingly doing everything they can to undermine and erode it. Shameful. That's Doogie or Dougie's response. And I agree with him. I told him so in a response. Here is someone else. These are just two of the many. Here's someone else who tweeted something about this to me. Simi KB says in her tweet, the club have made it toxic now even more so, dividing fans rather than facing them themselves. And I think that Simi KB is absolutely right. This has not gone well. The performances on the pitch are abysmal and the performances off it are equally abysmal. And whether or not the two people that I've read tweets out from just now are spot on or not, when you do something like you've done with this group and you've met in private or whatever else you've done and you've done that and you've put that out there to the fan base at large, There are going to be fans, rightly, wrongly, or otherwise, who are going to say the kinds of things that fans say, like these particular fans. Because that is what it looks like from the outside, and perception is the reality. I think those two tweets are fair representations, in my view, based on what I've been looking at through Twitter. And I'm not just talking about some dummy accounts. These are people who really do support the club. These are real people. They're not bots. They're not trolls. They're not fly-by-nighters. They aren't people who are really at Luton Town Football Club as supporters. These are Watford Football Club supporters here. And these people care about the club. And so do many others. I could read out a number of tweets. I'd be here all day and night. But I dare say that those tweets I read out are a very fair representation of what a vast swath of Watford's football club fan base thinks and feels about some of the actions that this club has taken this season, certainly with this supporters group, which is not going down well, with a lot of Watford Football Club fans, and with other actions that this club, through its board, has taken this season, which I'm not going to get into on this episode, because you know what they are if you're someone familiar with Watford Football Club. Things must change at Watford Football Club, but they will not change like this. Secrecy must not be a part of any of these meetings. They need to be open and transparent. And that is one of the ways you begin to get Watford Football Club fans on side again. Because you won't get them on side like this. There must be communication and there must be an opportunity for all Watford Football Club fans to see and find out what is going on in these so-called private meetings. This is not a good look for this club. 
And this club is moving farther and farther away from the principles of Graham Taylor and Elton John and farther and farther away from the examples being set by the one, the only, Luther Blissett, the living legend himself. And do not get me started on the whole situation around Hornets ambassadors either. If we are to stand and speak out, we must do so. And I encourage anyone to go to their email and type in supporters at watfordfc.com and send an email to this supporters group or the people who are running it and make it very clear where you stand and tell them that you want transparency in all of this. Or just pull down the darn thing and have everybody have a say and face the music from all Watford fans as opposed to putting a buffer between the fans and you, the board. Those are just some of my thoughts about all of this with Watford Football Club. Of course, many people have weighed in about a number of things this season about this club that they do not like at all, whether they've written about it or tweeted about it or done videos on it or podcasts on it. That's my two cents. Don't forget to subscribe to the Orns WFC YouTube channel. Please do so if you haven't already. For those who have, thank you very much indeed. I have a video up there now of the evaluation of this match between Watford and Leeds, which I think you must watch. Please follow Yuan's WFC on Twitter and Instagram. And don't forget to visit Yuan's.com for all your Yuan's podcast merchandise and for occasional match reports, observations. And I will have something written up in the next few hours or so. On all things Watford, written by yours truly, please visit the following website. Youornswfc.wordpress.com That's Y-O-U-O-R-N-S-W-F-C.wordpress.com That is all for this brand new edition of the Yuan's podcast. I'm Omar Moore, and until next time, you.